0: In the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. With Gene, with Chris, and a return visit from our friend Gogs Mackay. We're back on the Paracast after, shall we say, one of the more interesting episodes of the show. This is one where we got loads and loads of forum messages. But we also got letters, a lot of emails from people, and the reaction is predictably polarized. Let me give you a couple of examples. We have some people who say they hated the show because we had no reason to attack this Blake Cousins. I mean, let the guy talk, or maybe he's not worth the attention. Others saying, yes, that's the best form of the Paracast, where they love the fact that we showed this person no mercy. Now, speaking separately, Chris, have you gotten any personal messages about the show?
2: You know, I haven't, Gene, but, but you know, the, the word attack, you know, I really, uh, I, I take exception to that. I I don't, for a second, think that we were attacking Blake. We were firm, we were very decisive in our comments and in our feelings about him and his site. I did get an interesting, I think, on, on one of the forum posts uh, on the thread about the show... Someone said, "You know, I finally got it. I was listening to good journalism, people actually you know, asking follow up questions, um, actually not letting the guests slide and, and really probing and, and attempting to find out exactly what the man 's thinking is and and I think that that 's kind of the approach that I felt that we were taking. Sure, we got a little bit, we got a little bit forceful, we got a little bit pointed, but I really gene don 't think and Gogs, you can you can uh, correct me if i 'm wrong here." I really don't think we were attacking the man. I think we were really asking hard, probing questions. And when we didn't get the kind of answers we wanted, we we kept at it.
3: Gogs. The show, there was, as has just been mentioned, there was a, a lot of uh, feedback, it generated a lot of discussion. The positive feedback was very positive indeed. A couple of people saying it was one of the best, if not the best show they'd heard of the Paracast. I think the um, the, the positive feedback was harking to harking back to, I think people were thinking, well, yeah, this is what the Paracast is, is about this is how the show is different from other shows that cover the paranormal. I think the, the, the positive messages, messages outweighed the negative ones and uh, even the negative ones were you know some people had a, a problem with the the kind of style but i don't think it was any more any different than you know uh, sunday morning political programs where uh you know uh a politician's being evasive and the interviewer is you know questioning hopefully putting them into a corner where they've got to answer that that's what was going on and I, th- I think by the end of the episode we you know we turned it around a little by you know extending the olive branch um, offering help or um, to put Blake in touch with some some new people and encouraging him to you know to do more with what we all agree is a, a good basis for something that could be great I think it was a, a great show I would have you know, had I not been taking part, I think I would have listened to that to the end and thought, yeah, that's what the Paracast is about. Were there any questions you would have
1: liked to ask of Blake that you didn't ask?
3: Yes, and quite simply is, where did he get the name from, third phase of moon, and why does it not have a V in the end, third third phase of the moon? Or just where does it come from? Probing questions? No, I think we kind of covered what we really wanted to, because what we really wanted to ask him about was, you know, how he does or does not discriminate in his videos, whether he seems to care about that or not. As Chris was saying, you know, is he an entertainer like P.T. Barnum or is he part of the solution? To, no, I think I think we got out of Blake in that interview um, what we saw, were seeking to do. Well, one thing here
1: that I notice very much so is that... In the responses we got from our listeners, one person said that he knew somebody who would work with the Cousins brothers, their twins, Blake and his brother, in faking a UFO picture, not just taking content from other people, that he was involved in actually faking a photo. Now, I asked for a follow-up. We haven't had one. I don't want to say with any follow-up that we have a definitive answer to that, whether he's faked some of these photos himself or not. It may not matter to him, but that's just one issue that came across. As you know, Chris offered to extend the olive branch to Blake. He offered to try to help him clean up his act, be more discerning about the photos he posted. But therein lies a tale, and the answer may have been predictable, but it was also predictably childish. Chris, maybe detail the correspondence you had with Blake.
2: Well, again, I, I need to underscore what Goggs just said about about third phase of moon, third phase of moon. (laughs) I just want to underscore that it is a good idea. Um, He has managed to put together an interesting YouTube channel that is vacuum-cleanering up all sorts of footage from around the world. As more people become aware of the channel, more people are attempting to come up with uh, good hoax videos, I'm sure. But, But also there's that possibility of really stumbling on some real, I think, potentially crucial footage. Um, With the advent of cell phones, the cameras on these phones are getting better. Uh, Video technology is becoming more and more affordable. There's more people armed with potential instruments of documentation on real sightings. And if we set aside the vast majority of his videos, which uh, in my estimation are... (laughs) Not only hoaxes, some of them are, are abs- just silly. If we set aside those and, and we concentrate on the good stuff, I think that it, it really would serve the u- ufological community if we could get that footage into somebody's hands. And I and I did offer to put him in touch with real video analysts and also uh, put it out there for um, a group of analysts to take a look at some of these images and video clips and, and try to determine some science but unfortunately uh blake does not really respond well to criticism or implied or or just you know perceived i think and he had a a real difficult time coming from a place of of really uh, working as a team player with the ufological community it's obvious he's a go it alone kind of operation with his brother it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he is with his knowledge of After Effects and and uh, supposed uh, knowledge with Avid, which of course is the go-to uh, digital video special effects platform uh, in video and film for that matter. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he is behind a good many of these uh, of these hoaxes or at least some of them. It wouldn't surprise me in the least, but but my my attempts at, at you know creating a dialogue and. Um, Offering my help in any way that I can uh, was initially met with some. He kind of ignored it, really, and then he kind of grudgingly said, "Well, yeah, how about this one? Check this out." And he sent he sent along uh, a, a clip from a guy down in Fort Myers, Florida, which you know, again, with the YouTube compression, it's very difficult to analyze any videos there. And I said, well, you know, I'd like to see an uncompressed copy of this. And he, he sent me the link to the guy's own YouTube channel, which again, was just viewing another piece of compressed video. And when I said, look, you know, uh, please send us along something uncompressed. he He went ballistic and called me a troll. And I'm never going to speak to you again. And, you know, he sounded like, um, I don't know, a petulant 12-year-old or something. Yeah, yeah, I, I, didn't,
3: it, I didn't know about that. Yeah, about well, it. it's all it's all up on the board. You've got to wonder if Blake is just thinking, um, he's just thinking, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In in his mind, third phase of Moon is working, it's working very well. And maybe he just thinks, you know, he just doesn't need to mess with it, because maybe he doesn't really care. No, no he's
2: making too much money to care, in fact... Somebody pointed out uh, earlier in the day here on forum.theparacast.com. If you go to the About the Show uh, thread and bank, you'll find this um, very extensive <laughs> thread that's all almost, I think, up to 200 posts. It'll be a lot more, by the way, when our listeners get to hear the show. Yeah. We have
1: Gene and Chris and Gogs McKay. You're in the podcast. Say, neighbors, when your entire team can get together, it's just amazing what they can accomplish. Projects that take weeks, decisions that take days, it's all done right then and there. But you know, gathering everyone together from all those different locations, it can be time-consuming. It can be expensive. It can be plain impossible. That's why we use GoToMeeting. With HD Faces, it makes it easy for our entire team to get together online. You see, with GoToMeeting, we share the same screen. We stay on the same page. The built-in HD video conferencing makes the online meetings just like being in the same room. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code...
4: They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
6: What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com, the original Grover Rocket Stove minimal wood-use cooking stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast
1: community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris and Goggs, we're talking about last week's show, which featured Blake Cousins half of the cousins brothers productions and they're engaged in putting up a ufo photo channel on youtube and somebody in our forums over at forum.thepowercast.com in the thread about blake cousins did some financial estimates
2: yeah that's that's what i was going to point out and 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 if those estimates are even close to being true and uh, a sense of (laughs) what his um channel is potentially producing in terms of cash flow the guy's got a real good idea and he's making uh, he's making some pretty good money at uh, presenting hoax videos uh with this mock seriousness of them being real and actually that uh, i think a vast majority of them are fake
3: what would really hurt is if his uh th- if third phase of moon actually turned out to be the outlet for the smoking gun should it ever happen can you imagine the irony
1: <laughs> oh please! Yes. And the problem is you have so much garbage there that even if the smoking gun was there, it wouldn't be noticed. It would be hiding in plain sight.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's a problem, Gene. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you know the the observation that uh, twenty, you know, out of out of twenty videos. I mean, this this observation was made by one of his Talking Heads in, in his video about UFO sightings in Hawaii. They said if if one out of twenty is real uh and the others are all red herrings you know who's going to notice and i think that's a point well taken i think that this uh this is a, a really interesting uh net that he's casting out there but without some sort of analytical process uh that's that's well founded and really i think uh professional in its in its uh in its protocols and and methodology i think Without that, uh, the real thing could happen, and um, it might just get tossed out as, oh, well, here here comes another fake video from third phase of Moon.
1: Well, if you wanted to obscure the truth, that's one way of doing it. Now, just to give a little bit of background, which is why I even raised the suspicion that third phase of Moon is doing the fakery in some cases, is that if you look at the Cousins Brothers' claim to fame before that, it was producing a Star Wars fan movie. Starring Blake's three-year-old son or something like that. His nephew, then. His nephew, okay. Regardless, they're into making science fiction. But you find after that, and that happened like 10 years ago, there's nothing more about what Blake Cousins did. Very little more about his work, his content, or anything, just what he did 10 years ago. So maybe this is a last hurrah, because we're not talking about a 20-year-old here looking at his background when he graduated high school and everything else based on the news stories. It's a guy about 40. So they're twins, two guys about 40 years of age. And I guess he's trying to find or solve what would be almost a midlife crisis, find something to do. This is his full-time job. If third phase of moon disappears tomorrow, he's out of work.
3: So you've reminded me of, the, of a point I brought up last week when I was, um, you know, throwing out the question about uh, just in general fake UFO videos. How long does it take to create a good fake video? And if if we are thinking that uh, third phase of Moon is creating anyway, any how how many could a couple of guys churn out? Uh, on a weekly ba- basis I admit I've got no idea how long it would take to film some outside footage and then add in uh, some CGI and I, I imagine there are ways of incorporating CGI with you know, bad camera shake which I would have certainly in the old days of just VHS camcorders and stuff you, you kind of get a feel that uh, a video is probably more authentic if it's not very stable you know uh, in terms of the uh, the object you're looking at matching up with the, the motion of the camera chris I'm, I'm sure you know um more about this than i do yeah. but but you know what does it take to create these videos if we were to just choose one at random and think so could they be churning them out or again who is
2: well the the, the easiest ones obviously are just uh, anomalous lights in the sky uh, at night uh, those are the easiest to produce um, some of these glowing balls that they have uh, going over the ocean. Those are fairly simple to produce uh, wh- what gives them away is 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 the light doesn't shimmer through the atmosphere and I mentioned this to him on the um, on the show last week that uh, the one particular clip that he shows um, a light ball flying out below the level of the camera. the camera's on a cliff looking down at the ocean. The light ball does not glimmer it doesn't shimmer you you can tell that the light is not actually going through a half a miles worth of of atmosphere that's obviously moisture laden being over the ocean uh that would be that would give the the light a roiling sort of uh, glittering effect to it and uh the light is just static it doesn't it doesn't change at all uh as if it was coherent light very close to the camera and and that that to me is a dead giveaway and he's so enamored with that particular Hoaxed uh, clip. that I think he used it four or five times in his uh, fifty-minute piece, which is <laughs> pretty interesting in and of itself. But but I think that, you know basically it, it depends, MacGoggs, on you know how much actual um, morphing the object does. In other words, if the object is is tipping or or showing you a different side, if it's if it's revolving, if the object is actually doing motion in in and of itself. That makes it more difficult and more time-consuming to produce. Uh, Simple lighting effects are are, are fairly easy, and you can really crank them out uh, uh, very, very quickly. And it's the uh, animation-type clips, uh, the one of the uh, hokey saucer coming down off the wing of an airliner. Uh, That one would take a little time. Uh, The one that's in there of the largest UFO ever filmed, Um, that one would take some time, but, but you'll notice the hoaxed videos that seem to be most impressive are the ones that have, that are the grainiest that have the least actual video quality to them. And, uh, and I think part of that's done on purpose to hide flaws in the, in the actual animation or in the actual special effects that are going on. We're in the age of high depth video and, uh, I, I'm seeing a lot of poorly, um, uh, it, just the signal-to-noise ratio in a lot of the footage in and of itself is suspicious. So, you know, it, it, it totally depends, Gogs, on how much animation is there and how much actual motion that the object is doing uh, on its own in relation to uh, whatever scene it's, it's being displayed in.
1: You know, I kind of wonder, Chris, whether they should just go back to throwing models up in the air and shooting them. You know, if we go back to one of the hoaxes that Jim Mosley and Gray Barker pulled back, I guess, in the nineteen sixties or nineteen seventies, this Lost Creek UFO. That's how it was done, you know, with a physical object, regular film and camera. Of course it didn't look real, didn't look any more real. But you think here with all these stupid effects and throwing lights into a picture, that would be a better way to do it. And by the way, we should point out that if you want to get in touch with us over here at The Paracast, we have the channel over on Twitter called The Paracast. You can find us on Facebook as The Paracast. We have two areas there, or go to forum.theparacast.com and post your messages. With Gene and Chris and Gogs, with the outcome of last week's show, you're in The Paracast. The Paracast. America's
7: number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade.
0: We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors classic science fiction at its best available now for more details visit rockoids.com that's r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com
8: bills in front of congress right now could take away your right to keep and bear arms if obama has his way all guns will be either banned restricted or confiscated possibly by executive order The best way to keep your guns is to hide them. What Obama can't find, Obama can't take away. You can protect your guns from any threat. Download our special report, How to Hide Your Guns, at GoHideYourGuns.com. Learn how to hide your guns while keeping them readily available. Get the report now before they make us take it down. On the web at GoHideYourGuns.com. Sergeant Dave Scott, Army Search and Rescue veteran, wants you to hear this urgent message. All emergencies have casualties, but in America, most casualties from storms like Katrina and Sandy only happen because good people were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Don't let that happen to you. Visit YourBugOutPlan.com on the web. Watch a free video presentation of the skills you need to be long gone before any disaster can touch you. You owe it to yourself and to your family to watch this. Head to YourBugOutPlan.com on the web right now. YourBugOutPlan.com
5: ceramic body armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel body armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel body armor just won't quit.
9: We the people grow cotton, we fabricate
12: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri?
1: With Gene and Chris and Gogs Mackay joining us for, shall we say, the Monday Morning Quarterback Edition, but we're also talking about the state of UFO research, that if a popular channel showing UFO photos... It's mostly showing fakes. What does it bring out on the part of people? I mean, if there was no channel like that online, would people be inclined to make as many fake videos as they do,
3: guys? Yeah, what what about the fact that even Blake admits himself, you know, the number of thumbs down his videos are getting so... Perhaps the perhaps a lot of the viewers are a bit more discerning than maybe we've been giving them credit for as in assuming, you know, anyone who subscribes to third phase of moon, you know, doesn't doesn't really have a clue, but perhaps there are, there are many subscribers who, who are just looking for the odd nugget nugget, but they are willing to you know make uh, to make it known that they think you know that's a lot of load of bull. So you're going to wonder what the, what the, uh, the the demographic of his viewership, his subscribers is. Well, yeah. the thing would be also if you're running a site like that,
1: you'd want to know who your users are. Because if you're trying to pander to them, if you don't give them what they want, you're not going to make the money. And we were talking briefly about this before, but he could earn a really high salary from that place.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing that I've I've noticed in the videos is quite a bit of bad acting. Oftentimes, a hoax video um, is it doesn't matter how well it's done. If there's people talking in the frame or or, or acting in the frame, oftentimes that's the dead giveaway just by the way, people uh, who are actually doing the supposed filming and people around them are responding. This uh, Joe—I uh, forget his last name—the guy from Fort Myers has some pretty interesting footage. I think he's getting real stuff down there. I don't believe it's extra mundane. It's right by a, I think, an Air Force base or a Navy, uh, a Navy field down there. Um, and I think that there's, uh, there's some interesting stuff being put up by the military that's all lit up like a Christmas tree that uh, he may be inadvertently filming. And, and because it doesn't conform to your conventional lighting arrays on, on planes, it, it does appear unusual. I could tell by the reaction of people around the cameraman that they were seeing a real object out uh, over the Gulf there. And that oftentimes is, the, is the, the dead giveaway, I think. It doesn't matter how good the special effects are or how impressive the video is. If the people that are supposedly experiencing the thing real time are bad actors, it's, you're going to be able to tell.
3: Yeah, forced acting, you know, comes out really easy. You, you just get a sense that, you know, somebody's... It's like, uh, I don't know if you have in America, but in the UK we've got a show called You've Been Framed. It's just where basically the viewers send in any little funny video clips they may have made around the home of animals, kids or whatever, and, and they were getting paid £250 per clip, regardless of how long it is. And that that just made so many people send in these fake videos. Well, fake in that they were forcing accidents to happen and stuff, and it's so plainly obvious when it's happening, but they still pay the 250 quid. So, But, yeah, I take Chris's point that, yeah, I can I, I can see that, that you, you, you know when people are acting because most people
1: aren't actors. If you're showing people just reacting naturally to something, that
2: comes through. Yeah. Well, another thing is I think a lot of these people... I, you know, obviously, I think there's people trying to pull stuff over on on Blake and the site and get their get their 30 seconds of uh, fame up on on his site and see how many people fall for it. But I think there are some well-intentioned, well-meaning people out there that are genuinely attempting to capture the the, extra, the extraordinary and and the extra mundane. And it's those people that if, if we could somehow come up with a way. To let's say, do a Paracast uh, YouTube channel, and have it be instructional as well as as in informational, and and you know, putting out videos that we feel pass muster. It's one thing to shoot a video, and it doesn't a, a good video. It's another thing to actually gather witnesses' names, uh, report the sighting to uh, Peter Davenport, the National uh, UFO Reporting Center, or uh, to their local MUFON um section director uh it's the follow-up work it's the corroborative witness testimony it's filing the reports it's calling the airport calling the military bases getting people to go on the record and say no that's not us that's how good investigations uh, are 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 handled and the average person who's out there with a video camera looking for ufos i don't think really has the the education they don't have the uh, understanding that there's people out there willing to help them, and that there's a actual proper way to document these types of uh, these types of sightings. And as the technology gets uh, more you know less expensive and more we get more quality in the technology, we're going to be seeing more and more, I think, quality videos coming out, and it's that understanding, that educational process that the person has undergone that allows them to properly document and do a, you know, ad hoc on the spot investigation, uh, gathering names, gathering witnesses, making sure other people who are taking pictures, uh, that their visual evidence is being, is being put into a package. Uh, this is the kind of thing that I was trying to get Blake, you know, lead him to that place of, of, of actually doing good field work and, and doing good investigative work and educating his, uh, his vast viewership. And unfortunately he, um, he just called me a troll and says, I'm never going to talk to you
3: again. Um, am I right in thinking that, uh, like, MUFON, uh, if, for people, if they if they become members of MUFON, do they provide some modicum of training about investigation? Absolutely. Investigating? Yeah. So, how, and do you have to join MUFON as an investigator, or wh- where can the average person go to pick up information about hints and tips about, yeah, you need to ask this person, find out the weather from these people and how to rule out this and that. Because, I mean, I don't know for, for a fact, but I never see UFOs. Well,
1: I'll tell you, let me give you the information about MUFON membership, okay? Now, MUFON has a hard copy journal and they've also got an electronic version. So if you want to save money, the cheapest version is the electronic journal. It's $35 a year, $30 for those 65 or older or 18 and younger, okay? But there is a separate investigator's manual, which appears to be $35 a copy, and I have to check that. And that teaches you how to supposedly do investigations of UFO sightings. Now, it doesn't mean you're getting a degree in UFO research, But at least it's something which sets down ways to do your stuff. It's not something we just make it up. It is something that has solid information in it.
3: Yeah, even just as an aid memoir, you know, um, there are many professions and jobs where people have to refer to manuals. You know, pilots, airline pilots, they know so much about flying on their aircraft, but there are still times when they have to pull out an actual book or something and read checklists and instructions, and there's nothing wrong with having something to, you know, remind you, point you in the right direction. Uh, I'm all for it. If I actually lived in a place with... Clearer skies, and I thought I could, uh, you know, spot something. I would certainly be interested in, in in doing it correctly.
1: Let me just correct that, by the way. I just looked up on MUFON for non-members. The MUFON Field Investigators Manual is seventy dollars a copy, and I have to look up what you get. It's fifty dollars a copy for members. Okay. And what, how much?
3: And do you have to pay for membership?
1: The membership, like I said, starts at $35 or $30 for seniors or those under 18. It okay. doesn't tell me precisely
2: how big this book is. $70 is a lot well, of I have a copy of it. It's, it's, it's fairly sizable. I'd say it's 150 pages, 200 pages. I haven't dug it out in a while. I also helped uh, write a investigator's manual for Skywatch International back in the mid-90s. We'll have to Skywatch- ask you about
1: that in a moment. As to whether it's still even available. Gogs McKay joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
7: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
12: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and affording phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free.
13: Still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e cigarettes by La Sig. 30- day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lecig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com Lasig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker
14: hey there my name is frank bates do you know the number one most valuable item in a crisis Some people think the answer is gold. Others think it's a gun. But the correct answer will shock you. I just created a free video at Crisis123.com that reveals a surprising item that is more valuable than gold in a crisis. Ninety-seven percent of Americans don't have this one critical item. In fact, they haven't even given it a thought. And the sad truth is that you may not survive without it when a real crisis hits and a starving mob is right outside your door. What I have to tell you could literally make the difference between life and death for you and your family. Watch my video at Crisis123.com to discover the number one most valuable item in a crisis. You'll be shocked. See the controversial video that thousands of other smart patriots have already seen in the last three months. Go watch my video now at Crisis123.com before they force me to shut it down. Again, that's Crisis123.com.
11: Virtually anyone could be tracking you right now through your cell phone. The fact is, anyone can track your calls, your text, emails, your every movement, but only if they can detect a signal. That's the new warning from the American Civil Liberties Union. It's just released the results of an investigation
13: that found law enforcement agencies across the country track personal cell phones on a regular basis as a form of surveillance.
11: That's that's why you need Block It Pocket. Block It Pocket is a standard or custom-designed cloth pocket infused with pure silver that creates a complete Faraday enclosure for any mobile device. With Block It Pocket, all incoming and outgoing signals are blocked, including harmful radiation, and your device cannot be hacked or tracked by anyone. Handmade in the USA, Block It Pocket costs less than $30 and ships free to the lower 48. Call 888-315-9618 or click Block It Pocket, spelled B-L-O-C-K-I-T-P-O-C-K-E-T dot com. Block It Pocket. Enhancing health and privacy.
10: This is Kurt seven the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast.
1: Gogs McKay is joining us once again with a much better mic this week. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, the Monday Morning Quarterback Edition on a Sunday. And we were talking about how to become a UFO investigator, whether there are instruction manuals. And MUFON has one for $70 or $50 to members. Chris wrote one in the 90s, or you were co-author of one. What's involved in that? Can we get a copy?
2: I do have a copy, Gene. I need to go through my my files and find it. When I moved, I kind of boxed up a lot of my my sort of dead files and stuff, and I think it may be in there. Uh, Bill Hamilton uh, and I... Were tasked by the uh, Jim Hickman, the head of Skywatch International, and and uh, back in I think ninety eight, if I remember correctly, to come up with a field investigator's manual. Uh, it's it's similar to the MUFON model, however, I I put in there a lot of follow up type questions and qualification type uh, subjects that uh, you don't find in the MUFON manual. This is more for determining how particular. Extraordinary events uh, impact people's thinking process. It gets into um, psychological issues that may be raised by uh, you know, a life-changing event like a, a close proximity UFO sighting, that sort of thing. But basically, it's the same thing. It's a little bit more streamlined and I think more up-to-date than the MUFON model. If you look at the MUFON uh, section, they're still talking about uh, film cameras, uh, SLR cameras, and improper exposures and all this kind of thing, which which don't necessarily apply as much uh, in today's digital world. But But again, I would make this available. I will dig it out. I will make it available. Skywatch International is now defunct, so I don't think Bill Hamilton would have any problem with me making this available to the public. I think we need to get people up to speed, educated, And, you know, we need it to be automatic uh, for people. They don't have to, you know, think twice about how to actually properly investigate something. It's real simple. Get people's name, number, the date and time of the event, the location, the duration of the event, a description of the event, and uh, any corroborating witnesses. And make sure you file reports so that you have the actual experience uh, or event documented elsewhere besides your own database and and it's it's pretty simple and basic everything gets more and more you know targeted and and focused down to the minutiae from that level uh forward
3: is it just the same as the you know the method you would follow for when you were investigating cattle mutilations or unexplained livestock deaths
2: well apples and oranges yeah the methodology would be would be very similar obviously you're dealing with you know thousands of pounds of physical evidence uh unlike in a UFO sighting so there are uh, some very big differences obviously in terms of the basic documentation of the event getting people's names or phone numbers descriptions location you know in in the case of UFO sightings the duration of the event it's simple to to figure out how to uh, determine azimuth for instance um occasionally in daylight sightings it's it's fairly easy to determine size based on triangulation which i'm trying to do up in the San Luis Valley, if you have more than one camera going and you have a time code involved, you're able to determine speed and size as well. So, you know, again, it's a process. It's an educational thing. People have to be willing to, you know, go a little bit further, go that little extra yard to properly document something. But because who knows if somebody happens to stumble on an incredible event and get it documented and, you know, in, in the best of all realms, if somebody else is there and they're able to uh, run, run over and get additional footage. You know, you can really determine a lot, and especially if the person is up to speed and, and is educated enough to do the proper follow-up.
1: Well, one of the things, of course, with that particular document is probably what we'll have you do is digitize it, format it, make it available as a downloadable file, Right. from the PowerCast, so anybody can get this. They don't have to pay $70 for it. What we could also do is make a donation where, you know what that is, where you send a voluntary donation right. of whatever amount, mm-hmm. and then we can use that to fund whatever we're going to do because if we set up a YouTube channel, we're going to need a little bit of help to get things going. Exactly. So that might be nice. Not $70, but donation wear, okay, where you voluntarily submit whatever amount of money It could be a dollar It could be a million dollars whatever it is dollar even we will provide a copy of this publication it's not going to happen tomorrow it's going to take a little while chris has to unearth a copy we have to digitize it he will want to update it some for more modern presentation correct because one of the things that's really different now about the world is that most films most photos are taken with the cameras you have on a smartphone and some of them are really crummy Some of them are really good. So if you get really the high-end phones like an iPhone 5 or Samsung Galaxy S4 or the new phone from HTC, the HTC One, you can come up with pretty good pictures
3: without having to
1: be a photographer.
3: What about the problem about... Um, I I, uh, mentioned this in the forum, Gene, and you had replied I I was thinking, would it be better for ufology, not necessarily in practice, but if people were using old style, like 35mm film and, and, you know, like analogue video, in terms of you know, with digital, you can mess about with it easy And for, for, for kind of trying not to allow hoaxes to get through. Like if I, were, if I was to see a UFO on a reasonably clear day or something, and I've got a Samsung Galaxy, I could take a photo with that, or I could take a photo with an old-style camera with the colour film in it. Which one of those is going to, you know, be better evidence for somebody who maybe doesn't believe in UFOs
2: there's no question about which is better obviously the analog version would be better what you could do with um, photos of an object or uh, let's say exposing film 60 millimeter film super 8 film uh, is you could just keep it in the camera and not allow it uh, to be uh, processed until the actual processing is documented and certified Uh, it's much much uh, better And and it's it's a, a lot more difficult to hoax things with uh, with an analog uh, medium like that. So uh, there's no question in my mind where the uh, where my brothers would be. Ray Stanford uh, allegedly has 49 films of of UFOs, and we're talking eight millimeter Super 8 and 16 millimeter films, not video. That sort of evidence uh, is much, much. Uh, I think. Better and, and and harder to uh, to hoax. to
3: What yeah. was it? Was it Bruce Maccabee and the Gulf Breeze sightings? Was it was it him that did this like twin parallax camera thing? He said, or was it the Ed Winters guy? Ed Walters. Ed Walters. Sorry. Yeah.
2: yeah I uh, think it was Ed Walters. But but the whole, you know, it was interesting that that the one book that uh, <laughs> Blake should mention. Yeah. <laughs> was uh, the Gulf Breeze incident, and uh, you know, I think. Several people have done some very, very uh, intense work on getting to the bottom of some of Ed Walter's photographs. And there's some glaring problems with a number of them. And we may be seeing a very, very elaborate hoax. Now, Bruce McAbee allegedly was paid uh, $10,000, I heard, even more, uh, to sign off on the original book. So, you know, you kind of have to wonder whether McAbee was kind of... (laughs) somehow involved in and turning a blind eye to walter's potential in alleged shenanigans the famous shot of him uh shooting at the object hovering over the road the one thing that comes across on that is that there's no reflection of the object on the hood in the foreground which which to me there would be a reflection there so there's things that are wrong with that by the way i was looking as
1: we were talking here about the possibility of getting say a super 8 camcorder Okay, mm-hmm. and you can buy them, and I found them online for as cheap as maybe $50 or $100. Fairly decent ones like a Sony SteadyShot Handycam. A SteadyShot fil- Handycam. What,
3: what about the film?
1: The film is available. You just have mm-hmm. to kind of look for it, but the film is available. If you look online, you'll see Super 8 film. And the place I just checked, it's right now on eBay. They're talking about a Super 8 Kodachrome Cartridge, $11. I don't know how many minutes of film footage that makes. But the point is here is that the older technologies are available. We're not talking about buying 35 millimeter cameras. Okay, so we're talking about Super 8, is what we're talking about. Okay? Super 8 is the analog format, which has real Kodachrome film. And that's something, if you looked online or went to eBay, you could probably find a camcorder for a very affordable price. I think perhaps the most troublesome issue, of course, would be getting the film for it, because any film you find now pretty much has been sitting around for a few years. So that kind of damages the quality, to put it mildly, you know, because film had an expiration date. Digital files do not have an expiration date, and we're not going into things like digital rot. But I think most people, you know, it's the same thing. If you have an opportunity to take a picture you use the camera you have and yes. most people will have a smartphone and the better smartphones or the more modern smartphones will have decent cameras and therefore that's what they're going to use they're not going to use analog a dedicated investigator might but who's to know you're going to see something we're going to see this we have chris and Jean with gogs and Mackay, you're in the ParaCast.
0: We've lived in this neighborhood for years. We have an alarm system, and all of our doors have deadbolts. They kicked in our door and were in and out of our house in about five minutes. The police arrived in about 20 minutes, but they were long gone with our TV jewelry and my guns. I kept thinking, what if my family had been home? The police officer said that more than 85% of break-ins are through a door, and that deadbolts alone don't stop intruders. The officer told me to go to easyarmor.net if we wanted something that would actually stop an intruder. Easy Armor reinforces all of the weak points on your doors and is guaranteed to prevent kick-ins. I was surprised at how little Easy Armor costs. And I installed Easy Armor in about 30 minutes.
10: Visit EasyArmor.net. That's the letters E-Z-A-R-M-O-R.net. Or call 888-58-ARMOR. That's 888-582-7667. EasyArmor.net. Ultimate door security made easy.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now,
1: here's Jane Steinberg. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris and Gogs Mackay, we're talking now about doing real UFO research about ways to actually take photos or movies of UFOs. But once again, this is the once in a lifetime occurrence. And even if you armed yourself with the, the Super 8 camcorder, for example, and you have real film, and we're talking about something, it's technology is, what, 30 years old? You get the yeah, film. It's older than that. Yeah. You get the film. You get the camcorder. You're all set with it. But the real question is, how often is that going to happen? Are you going to be lucky enough to take that shot and to be there when it happens? If you're an investigator, it's part of your arsenal. But most photos are not made by professional investigators.
3: Yeah, I suppose we're talking about the difference between, you know, uh, just a a member of the public, chance encounter, pulls out whatever camera's available. But then you've got people who, you know, stay up all night and go on sky watches with the intention of hopefully capturing something. And I suppose it's probably these people that I would hope would maybe uh, think about analog film in their arsenal as you're saying
2: yeah yeah i agree and 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 you have people like ed grimley who goes out with night vision equipment and uh gets some pretty intriguing images with night vision it's more difficult to hoax night vision uh footage than it is to you know hoax uh just regular let's say video cam footage and that's another thing too that um that i'd like to see more of is um you know from infrared up to uh, second generation, third generation night vision that that kind of footage is it, it could be very valuable and could be very uh, b- very worthwhile to to get and analyze so yeah. I, I don't see much night vision uh, in fact, I don't think I've seen any night vision clips on Blake's site
3: no have have you tried it yourself chris and also i'm sure you've seen the the same videos i have there's a couple of interesting videos a bit like the the mexican um air force one where you actually have someone who set up two cameras a standard one and an infrared one and sometimes an object appears only in infrared and i, I don't know if that is a a, a real video or not or a hoax but I I found that idea interesting and then obviously night vision is image intensifying uh, but those cameras are I was looking at them online you know for the whatever mark 3 or 4 or whatever they're called you're, you're talking several thousand dollars but I would love to go on a night sky watch with Ed Grimsley. Just George Nudie tried it, and apparently he was—he managed to see something interesting on, on that first time. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like the people who do the reality shows. They go out to hunt ghosts and almost invariably come back with something.
3: Yeah, well, reality shows, that's just another matter altogether, is that they've got to get something for each episode, and they they make the biggest thing out of the smallest little noise. If you're going to go in an old building... You know, at night when the temperature's cooling down, it's going to make noises. There's going to be animals, maybe rats scurrying about and stuff. And sure, if you're down in some sort of cellar that's got a, a reputation as being haunted or something, you probably are going to get genuinely scared. But. Whether that means anything was actually going on, you know, you you just know that 99.9% of the time on every single one of these Ghost Hunter shows, we, we have our own ones here in the UK, just like, you know, separate from the American ones, and I don't, I've watched them just because I'm interested in the paranormal, not because I think they're good shows, and I've seen plenty good, you know, James Fox reactions of people genuinely being scared, but not because, I don't think it was because they actually encountered everything. Uh, When it comes to that kind of evidence, I think one of the kind of creepiest things I've ever seen was um, Barry Taff in the entity case, where there's a cameraman goes up in the, the, you know, up in the loft. Well, he claims that basically something wrapped something round his neck and kind of hung him up on a nail and you see the guy coming out if if that's acting it's Oscar stuff but that is that's the only time I've ever really seen something on video as it were that kind of looks like something really was going on there all these reality shows I've never seen anything even remotely compelling but they've got so many episodes just filled with the same dross week to week rant over it's enough to put you to sleep
1: <laughs> i don't watch reality shows and the reason i don't watch is because of the fact that they're staging it it doesn't mean there's no real things going on there there aren't paranormal events but you just know that the chances of actually seeing something predictably is about what one tenth of one thousandth of one percent so how come the crew each week see something
3: yeah
2: well, it depends too on 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 the site. Some sites uh, I think the odds uh improved dra- uh, dramatically. I got some footage in the basement of the Sally house that has yet to be um broadcast or made available. It, it was the real thing. Uh, I I could vouch for it and I had my back to what what I was filming uh, people reacting to something that was behind me and it took every ounce of my <laughs> of my Professionalism and concentration—not to whip around and, and start filming what they were looking at. Just getting their reaction shots of this whatever it was—it was—it was coming up. This energy form that I could feel uh, behind me that was coming up, and and filming close-ups of their reaction to it. Uh, there's no way that that the, the three of them could could have uh, again, like like God said, it, it, it would have been Oscar-winning performances uh, if they were acting. And I felt it too, and. If the, the psychic who I was filming hadn't said we need to leave right now, if she hadn't said it at that second, I would have bolted out of there. <laughs> so she- I can't wait to get this uh finally produced and, and on uh out there for people to to check out. Well-
3: was that around the same time when you said that, that there was one time you had a high-quality camera and there, there was an image in the mirror of the corridor or something behind you? No, and, and that was last year.
2: That, that was right. the only ghost I've ever seen uh, it, or whatever it was. It was, I guess well, technically it was more of a shadow person. No, no, that was, and that was a, a 3D, a $22,000 3D camera. If that had initialized the, the actual footage, that probably would have been the very first uh, 3D footage of a ghost.
1: So I just put on my glasses, turn on the 3D set, and I'd see something.
2: Well, whatever it was, it leaned out and checked me out from behind. And the only reason why I knew it was there was because I was looking in a big, huge mirror at the end of the hallway at myself walking towards the mirror. And I saw it lean out behind me. And I was so excited. You have no idea. I was jumping up and down.
3: <laughs> and you've just made me think of something else. The only kind of paranormal experience I, uh, well, I know I've had, it seems paranormal to me. I was about mm, 12, 13 or something, literally 150 yards around the corner in an adjacent street to, to the one I lived. But basically myself and a friend, so, you know, I've got the uh, the corroboration of another guy there. And we saw, I'll call it now a full body apparition, but w- what we thought was it was at night, it was dark, but um next to street lights and stuff, we saw an old woman and we were so convinced that she was like out of place and that it, it, where she was, we knew everyone who lived around. And if there had been an old woman there at that time of night, she must have been lost or something. So we were it wasn't she was only like uh you know twenty yards away or so And we kept her in view the whole time and we we were doing the kind of, you know, good spirited thing. We were going to go round, approach her and ask her why she was there because she was actually on the property of a friend and I knew she wasn't a relation or anything. Anyway, and this little lane um, just went into a complete dead end, no escape and this woman who that we saw walked towards that, and as we rounded the little wall, it was only like four and a half feet high or something, and went round, she was nowhere to be seen. It wasn't until we couldn't find her that we even thought there was anything up. At no point did we think when we are seeing her that this could be an apparition or anything, but... You know, there's no trap doors there. There is a wall at the end, but it's very high. And the figure, the person we saw, unless she was a very fit gymnast old woman, there's no chance she could escape. And we're talking about she was only out of view for a second, a second and a half. So there was no being scared or anything. It was only afterwards we're thinking, what just happened? And, we, you know, at that age, 12, 13, we didn't have the, the knowledge or or of anything to to really even think about it in any depth and i wouldn't be surprised if we didn't think about that for a long time but but the two of us saw it that is one thing that really made me you know believe that these things may happen i don't know if it's I- attack of the
0: rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike it's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget
15: of buying gold and silver. Again, the global elite have plans for your money and it doesn't include you. So call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130. And I will send you a booklet with 10 reasons why gold and silver could be right for you. Again, don't get caught with money in your account when the next bank bailout hits. Call me, Gary Cooper, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 130 a simple question for you can you sell yes okay
11: can you sell the intangible if yes and you'd like to work nine to five monday through friday with no overtime no weekends if you're passionate about not closing sales but about opening relationships if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise and you're local to the twin cities and burnsville are hard-working self-driven with experience in sales marketing or advertising are personable and a whiz on the phone gcn17 to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. Again, that's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network an Equal Opportunity Employer. To have a fighting chance against cold and flu bugs, get the world's best garlic extract,
16: Allicin Plus C. Fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi with Allison Plus C. Scientifically proven and double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Allison Plus C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Allison Plus C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Allicin Plus C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Allison Plus C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Allison Plus C. To order call 855 Allison. That's 855-255-4246 or go to allisonplus.com, spelled dot plus.com. Get Allison Plus C from Affinity Health Products.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast
1: community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris and Goggs McKay, Goggs is telling us a bit about his background in paranormal investigations, how he became involved, how he became interested in this subject. You were talking about a magazine...
3: Yeah, there was this weekly magazine okay. as I said a short run and it was called The Unexplained. So, you know, it would cover things like, you know, life after death, UFOs, the usual stuff. I wouldn't I would be very surprised if Nick Redfern hadn't gotten into this as well, judging by his age and stuff. But and on this one it once had a free you know, like old vinyl records and you know, I'm old enough to have bought vinyl, uh, I'm sure. Younger listeners may not have. But anyway, so sometimes used to get free singles, uh, a pop track or so with some magazine, but the vinyl would just be this very, very thin, floppy record. They didn't even always perform very well on a round table. But anyway, this one uh, free issue, it had what it was calling Sounds From Beyond the Grave. I'm not entirely sure of how they were supposed to have recorded it or anything, but whatever was on that was really creepy, even at a young age. And I remember... Just at that, around that age, when this magazine was coming out, I implored my parents to give me money to buy this and I bought all of them and I was just... uh, Like another issue was about spontaneous human combustion. It's got that classic photo of some old woman's chair and there's just ashes and everything and a leg which is pretty much intact up to a point. So around the time of that sighting, Um, I think I was starting to get an interest into the paranormal in general but I think it was a bit later that I kind of took more an interest in UFOs and me personally, I know why I am interested in UFOs and it's nothing to do about Space Brothers or whatever. For me, if UFOs are real, they are proof positive that maybe one day us humans will be able to travel the galaxy you know, a la Star Trek um, and travel at fantastic speeds and who knows, maybe even have things like transporters. But for me, it's about proving that one day our technology might be as cool as what they are displaying if if indeed they are there. That's, what, that's why I'm into UFOs. It's about
1: what's out there and maybe finding the answer to the age-old question, are we alone in the universe? You know, that paraphrases the quote from the movie trailer from Man of Steel, the new Superman reboot, and a large part, this story is about first contact. It's about an alien coming here and having to cope with our world. He's an orphaned alien who is humanoid, but is not human. But that is the big thing about that story that makes it out of the comic book range. How do we deal with evidence of real contact? And now, of course, we have all the stuff that's going on where we're hearing more and more about Earth-like planets. Does that, for example... Provide some kind of gradual disclosure. You never know. Now, let me get back a bit to taking good photos of UFOs or movies. Chris, since we've already broached the subject about training manuals and stuff, would you give a few hints to people if you see something really strange in the sky, daytime or nighttime, and you got the camcorder, whether it's a smartphone or something else, what do you do? How do you capture that image so it survives? A Blake Cousins YouTube site.
2: Well, the first the first thing I would suggest is is trying to get into a position where you can be as steady and sure-handed as possible. Either putting your elbows down on the hood of a car and and creating a as close to a tripod configuration as possible. Obviously, the best the best of uh, all scenarios is to actually have a tripod uh, handy. And oftentimes, when I do sky watches, I'll walk around with uh, a camera or a video camera on a tripod i 'll just have it there as as a as part of the uh process getting as as steady a position uh, to film is is most important if you 're standing there with the camera out in front of you it 's going to be really difficult, especially if you zoom in on an object. The more you push uh, your zoom in into an object, the more exaggerated any sort of movement is going to become. And oftentimes the problem with amateur videos of, of objects, I'm assuming that everyone assumes a real object, uh, not a hoaxed one, but the hardest thing to do is to get a good close-up uh, zoom of the object and be steady at the same time. Uh, it's almost impossible to, to get good pushed-in handheld footage. The other thing to always remember is turn off your autofocus there's so many videos out there where, pe- where people are, are fooled into thinking they're, they're, you know, videotaping this ball of, of light. And when in actuality, what they're doing is filming the out-of-focus quality of that particular light, which is much smaller and much, uh, much more um, condensed normally. And, uh, you know, take off any sort of auto-focus fo- uh, function. Also, a lot of cameras nowadays have optical and digital zoom. Never go into digital zoom. Oftentimes what will happen is let's say you'll have 10 times optical zoom and then 30 times digital zoom. Only go out to the to the portion where the digital zoom starts. Never go beyond that because all digital zoom does is blow up the size of the pixels, which isn't going to help uh, the quality of the final image at all. You can always do that in post-production a lot more efficiently. And an analyst can do it a lot more efficiently when he's viewing um, optical zoom footage uh the other thing to remember as well is it depends obviously on daytime and nighttime but if you have any sort of control over over the over, over um, shutter speed and and the various uh other you know possible functions that your particular camera might have become familiar with them and, and understand how they work and obviously you're going to want to uh to uh be familiar with the capabilities of your particular piece of equipment. So, so again, uh, those, those three points always uh, maintain as steady, uh, and as, uh, braced a camera, uh, filming position never go beyond, uh, the optical uh, analog zoom range of your, of your uh, camera uh, or video camera. And always remember to, uh, turn off your autofocus. Those are the three main things. Chris, you're assuming you can even turn the autofocus off. I'm saying if that function is available, yeah. Uh, most most uh, fairly good quality camcorders, you can you do have uh, the option of using a manual or, or, opt- or automatic focus. I'm
1: looking at the settings, for example, on a Samsung Galaxy S3, which is the previous version of the flagship phone from Samsung. And there are a lot of automatic settings you can make in terms of exposure. You can control exposure value, white balance. But if you turn off the auto stuff, then you get into things like metering and contrast and stuff like that, which is very important. So you can do a few things if you turn off the special effects. So that's one thing to understand. They also have GPS tag, which I would include on any of these cameras, Because what you want to do here is you want to be able to have some kind of hard copy of your location yeah, where you were when it happened. Because that also can separate the wheat from the chaff. If you say you were in Hawaii, but the photo says you were in Podunk, Iowa, and no disrespect to the people in Podunk, Iowa. But (laughs) at least you can demonstrate, assuming you don't somehow manipulate that tagging, where you actually were when the picture was taken. We're telling you how to create a real UFO photo here. Not the fakery, but the real thing, photos or movies. With Gene, Chris, and Goggs, you're in the Paracast.
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade.
1: We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant Powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant Powder. Order today at 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org.
9: What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking?
6: That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com, the original Grover Rocket Stove minimal wood-use cooking stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com.
1: Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, assisted by Gogs Mackay, one of our loyal listeners and a long-time student of the paranormal, we're exploring the ramifications of last week's episode and more to the point, constructive information on how to take your own photos or movies. Now, one other thing you have here, and of course with the smartphone camera some of the better ones have what they call auto stabilization so you get less of the shaking effect what's the
2: impact of that chris you know i i tend not to use any sort of stabilization i, I think uh, having actual physical stabilization is more important because what you're doing is you're allowing the camera to approximate uh the information and and you don't want that um in all perfect uh, scenarios having a tripod or being able to really brace yourself solidly, especially if you're going to zoom in on something. Another thing th- that I forgot to mention, too, is always try to have at least some portion of the footage pulled all the way back to show objects in the foreground. It's important, and, and, and let it sit there for a while so that we have a, a good sense of of exactly what is around the actual witness at the time of the filming, and it gives us it gives us perspective and context uh in regards to the object that's being filmed. you can push in on it, but make sure you always have an establishing shot as they say in 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 the business. Create an establishing shot at some point during the experience that's really important because then that allows the analyst a lot more visual information and 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 gives gives context to the actual uh, object that's being filmed
3: yeah i've got a point yeah I was going to bring up that about uh including some kind of reference point, reference object in the shot, at least at a point, it can help tell with distances and size. Because if you're only seeing blue sky around an object, say, and from start to finish in the shot, then it's very hard to make any kind of judgment or measurement of size and stuff. And you know what? I had a second good point, and it's completely gone out of my head. I'll come back with it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, no, I've got it. Yeah, it's come back. Great, the brain's working. What it is, is so many times when I've seen um, some of the decent documentaries on UFOs and the narrator will say such and such a person filmed the object uh, for for X amount of time and then it left at speed. Now, what I'm really interested in is not just seeing a stationary or slow-moving object. I'm, what really gets me going is when they start to like have instant acceleration, etc. So I would also say, if you're filming an object, try and continue filming it until it leaves. I, I want to see how it leaves where it is or how it's moving. That's the thing that really get. I want to see that really fast maneuvers or maybe right angled turns it going straight up in the sky and stuff you know to take to film an object because let's face it, they're not going to stay there forever. so even if it takes an hour or more, I would implore people to try and capture its exit. Because that might be the, the the thing that proves most that it is not mundane, and that was my point. Yeah, that's a good point. There aren't that many videos, even even if we if we were to take time to sit and trawl through third phase of moon or any other kind of UFO collection site or documentary, there are very few videos that show objects moving. Um, in such a way. There are some out there but I remember there was a couple I had in my head. I remembered I spent hours going through UFO documentaries trying to find these individual ones and I I did find one. I'm sure it's something off the coast of Florida or something but anyway this object is stationary out over the uh, ocean for a while and I might mention that I'm pretty sure it was filmed on like an old VHS camcorder or something but this thing really does just go off off it goes and you know to go from stationary to that that's the interesting part not stationary 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 uh, obviously it depends on what 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 is actually happening you you can't pick and choose yeah that that's my main thing that's what interests me and i would implore people to stay with it and try and capture how it leaves the the space it's in right and it's always good to to be pulled back some because if
2: it leaves and you're you're totally zoomed in on it you're going to have a hard time Capturing where it went if it goes out of frame, so yeah. so always be ready. You know, if that object appears to be getting ready to take off, always pull back. You know, pull pull back the zoom.
3: Oh, and another thing, obviously, is if you do see one by chance and you're with someone else get them to film it too. Maybe move away from you a bit to try and right. get two, yeah, two, two points of view and also its corroboration. It's much harder to fake two individual videos that are filming the same thing than it is one, which brings up this whole um, the Temple Mount thing in Jerusalem. Was there, what, three or four videos of that? I don't know what the current thinking on that whole thing is if it's fake, but it's very well choreographed if it's faked. Chris, yeah.
2: have you got th- well I've you know I, I always uh, until those uh, second and third videos showed up I I, I just thought the thing was uh, was a hoax and and you're you're correct uh, more camera angles of you know in trying to uh, create an elaborate hoax obviously it's it's much more difficult uh, to provide other camera angles it's not impossible by any stretch but but it is much more difficult and takes a lot more time maybe that's why these these uh, other eclipse, uh, uh, It took so long for them to to be actually publicized because they were too busy manufacturing them to uh, <laughs> to actually come out with them right away. The events like the uh, the eclipse in ninety two, I think, or ninety one, down in Mexico City, where you had I think up to eighteen different camcorders uh, going on a on a the silver you know looking orb in the sky, high in the sky. That's one of the rare examples of of people outside actually filming something else and then able to to d- discern something that uh, looks extraordinary and then get footage of it from all different angles. There's been uh, a couple of, of good uh, projects, I think, that have been done comparing different camera angles. Um, obviously, you're going to have some sort of time uh, issues there. It's kind of hard to synchronize uh, cameras unless you're you're working in concert with with a team, but uh, I think they were able in in a few instances to actually determine very very accurately the exact time of the footage that was done by other people unbeknownst to to each other and and that sort of triangulation data is really important because you're able to determine uh, size, distance speed if you have more than one. Uh, camera angle obviously three is uh you know the optimal and more obviously is even even better so yeah that's a good point always if somebody else is there with a with a cell phone or a camcorder have them get away from you if they can the more distance you put between the vantage points the more accurate you're going to be able to to uh, determine data so So those are some real good rules of thumbs for our aspiring skywatchers out there. Hopefully some of Blake's uh, (laughs) legions of uh, fans out there will be listening to the show and, and taking notes. Before Gogs drops in with a point here, just wanted to mention, among the
1: emails we got, I don't really recall getting anything from anyone saying, Hi, I am a loyal follower of Third Face of Moon, the YouTube channel, and I approve of his work. We had people who said we shouldn't have attacked him. We had people who applauded us for attacking him or took a middle-of-the-point point of view. But nobody said, I love this site. Mm, you wonder about all those fans. Gogs?
3: <laughs> yeah, Chris, you bringing up the eclipse uh, sightings in Mexico City, uh, that, that brings up something that I've, I've always wanted to mention. And about the question, let, let's just say there are extraterrestrials interdimensionals or whatever but there's non-human intelligence flying these objects and people often discussing why don't they show themselves or are they deliberately showing themselves but by a certain amount and stuff you've got to wonder about the, the deliberateness of the most populous city on earth during an eclipse when the most people possible are probably guaranteed going to be looking up in the sky and that is the time that you get a pretty good sighting of a a disc-shaped object. Now if that wasn't deliberate on the part of whatever that object is then it's got to be the greatest coincidence ever. To me that is a kind of a positive for thinking that Yes, at least to a degree, they do want to be seen.
1: We'll continue with this point of reference. Was it a great coincidence for something like that to happen with Gene and Chris and Gogs? You're in... The Paracast. Are you tired
7: of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more.
1: We are the GCN Radio Network.
7: That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate
17: your health one bag at a time. You've seen them on Doomsday Preppers. You've seen them on Network Television, Shipping Wars, and the History Channel. Now, now, the strongest shelters money can buy are here. Here. Atlas Survival Shelters, made in America from 10-foot diameter galvanized corrugated pipe up to 11 times stronger than square box shelters and built to last up to 200 years. And you won't believe the amenities. Atlas Shelters contain microwaves, refrigerators, big screen TVs, water tanks, septic systems, bulletproof hatches, and much more. Virtually everything you have at home, just buried 20 feet deep and bomb-proof. See the amazing Atlas Survival Shelters at Atlas Survival Shelters.com or call 1 855 4 BUNKER. That's 855 4 BUNKER or Atlas Survival Shelters.com. Financing now available. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared
10: gardeners. Here comes another growing season, but don't use last year's soil. Maximize yields in your survival garden with EM1 from Terragonics. EM1 is an organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant that provides a broad spectrum of beneficial microorganisms, enzymes, trace minerals, vitamins, and various organic acids. EM1 helps regulate the soil's pH level and its soil microbes, improving moisture retention and drought tolerance. Remember last year's dry conditions? EM1 from Terraganics is safe, chemical-free, and certified for use on all organic farms. Improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, and gives up to 20% more nutrient value in fruits and vegetables and greatly increases shelf life. And EM1 is so simple to use, just mix with water and apply. This year, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. TerraGanics, life's getting better.
7: This is Kurt the author of UFO Mysteries and you're listening to the Paracast.
1: With Gene and Chris and Gogs and Mackay, we explore the implications of this YouTube channel by the Cousins Brothers or the Twins Who Shall Not Be Named. Give them a new name. That would be it because that other guy who follows the one-armed man, we called him He Who Shall Not Be Named. So maybe we should call this one the twins who shall not be named, Gogs, You want to finish your point before Chris takes over?
3: I think I would finished. Uh, Chris. Chris was going to come in saying that he disagrees.
2: And, uh, yeah, because you know, first of all, it wasn't a dish-shaped object. Um, it was an it was a round, silvery ball, if I remember correctly. Which you know, if it was dish-shaped, it was on edge. But according to the various vantage points around the city, it did look to be fairly large and fairly round and and highly reflective. Now, who's to say that some psychotronic weapons uh, team didn't uh, come up with an idea, well, hey, let's see how our new um, you know, exotic black technology drone uh, will be perceived uh, over the world's pop- most populous city when we know people are going to be looking up. Maybe that could have been floated down from White Sands or from Holloman or from Fort Huchaca or f- from any number of... Southern tier U.S. military bases hovered over the city just to gauge the reaction of the local populace who they knew were going to be looking up that day. So, you know, I think you're, you're kind of making an assumption that, that that was something off planet or extra mundane when, in fact, we do have the technology uh, to hover in the sky, to, to um, you know, have uh, unmanned drones. I, I think we've had this technology for quite some time. Uh, this is not something I think that's been discussed much uh, in the field. It needs to be discussed more. I think a lot of sightings, for instance, in the San San Luis Valley, where I investigated full-time for 10 years, I think a, 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 a sizable percentage of what people were seeing down there and still see down there could be very mundane but exotic technology that's uh, very terrestrial in nature. So, you know, we, we have to be careful not to jump uh, towards a high-strange off planet or or extra dimensional meta ultra you know <laughs> with extraterrestrial the definition uh we need to factor out all mundane explanations before we jump off uh, off planet that's like yeah, that, for example yeah. taking some kind of
1: corpse or fossil of a small fetus and saying hey folks this is an alien body as some that's people good... do
3: that's a good segue yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys have a chance to look at this documentary that was posted online from Stephen greer about sirius i guess they call it to name the star system
2: Gogs, you could go first i'm not because i'm going to see it uh next week when i go and and crew up for the uh citizens hearing on disclosure in at the national press club in dc we're going to have some sort of uh you know secondary premiere there of the, of the film so i I don't want to give Stephen Greer even ten dollars as far as far as I'm concerned, though.
3: Yeah, I I, um, I certainly wouldn't pay for it. I, I noticed in the forums that somebody um, has watched it. Um, I I can't really remember enough of what they said, but I, I certainly, if if a uh, if a copy is made available on YouTube to watch for free, I'll absolutely watch it. And actually, it's just it's just uh, this is very pertinent today. Um, there's probably the second biggest selling daily in the UK, a tabloid. That is, we have the Sun, but then. And the next one is called The Star. Uh, and and about page three or something like that, there is an article about that little humanoid skeleton body thing that Dr. Greer is going on about. And in, I took a photo with my Samsung Galaxy of this article just because you could so tell that the person writing the article didn't have the first clue who Stephen Greer is because the way he's written about, it's just this... Well, they think he's just some, uh, like a medical doctor from California or something. It doesn't mention anything about his UFO or disclosure background, anything like that. And all, almost the tone of it as if, yeah, we should really listen to this guy because he's a doctor. That's the the way I, I read it. But you got to wonder about if Greer's inverted commas, people have been, uh, you know, sending out the stories to the the news agencies and stuff, because it's quite funny that this documentary is just coming out, and this article's in the Star in the UK, but they obviously didn't have a clue about Greer's history or anything because it was very neutral and it just mentioned him, you know, such and such a doctor thinks this, but in the article anyway it's saying that it's now been, well, by him anyway, agreed that it is like a freak human skeleton and he's saying that there's you know, from scans or whatever they're seeing the heart, liver all the little organs Um, now I've heard of very small people, and the thing's got nine ribs or something, but so I don't know if all this info was just coming from Greer's camp or not, but the timing is perfect. But back to the documentary, I'll absolutely watch it just because I've. it's, it's like watching a car crash. It's hard not to see what Greer will do next.
2: <laughs> hey, but don't you think it's one of the little people that uh, got caught in the desert without any uh, grog?
3: You better ask your ancestors, then, Chris, or your <laughs> distant relations in the Emerald Isle.
2: Yeah, I think they were on vacation in the Atacama, and they they got they got waylaid.
1: I Top think, of the morning. I think one of the problems here is when we talk about something like that, and it's gotten some publicity. If we spend too much time giving Stephen Greer unneeded publicity, or Blake Cousins. Or Blake Cousins, and Blake Cousins is getting a lot more than he deserves. But when we talk about someone like a Stephen Greer, we dealt with him several years ago in the Powercast, and he did not acquit himself well when he did our show. And he's still charging people thousands of dollars to go on his little trips to see UFOs, and he's making these crazy claims. Well, someone offered him two billion dollars to close down his SETI organization. They've got this documentary which has gotten really bad reviews claiming that they've got this little skeleton or whatever of an alien being, which everybody says is actually old news. It's something that they had discovered and analyzed years ago. If you read the stories, you see. But he kind of gloms on to this stuff. And you wonder, when you draw attention to people like that and discuss them endlessly for hours, whether or not it's just going to cause people to want to go to the shows or to the documentaries. So right now, people will be looking on YouTube, for the serious documentary from Stephen Greer. Other people will be going to look at the channel run by the twins who shall not be named for the same reason that, you know, either they want to see a train wreck or see what the fuss is all about.
2: I think it should be Stephen O. Greer. I think he's got a wee bit of the leprechaun in him.
3: I think he's got a bit of the David Koresh in him. for for listeners who don't know that's the that's the branch Davidian leader guy from the Waco Texas uh, shambles
2: I hope not I could tell you stories I've known Stephen for 20 years now tell us a few stories 20 years well my favorite was one of the first times that I ever actually uh, it was the first time that I ever actually was asked by him to to do uh, to do anything basically and and it was about the third or fourth time he had come to Crestone, uh, Colorado, and this would have been 94, 95. And I was supposed to give a uh, <laughs> a brief, uh, you know, 20-minute, half-hour talk to these really super-rich, uh, highfalutin socialites. And Lawrence Rockefeller's right-hand man, uh, Bootsy Galbraith, Sandy Wright, uh, who funded the this the best available evidence uh, or rockefeller funded the best available evidence document that greer then appropriated and released prematurely but he had all these uh really highfalutin people there and he wanted me to to give them some information about uh the history and and uh and whatnot about the san Luis valley where where we were um uh, where they were gathered and unfortunately being a volunteer fireman we had a really bad grass fire that morning i had to go out and and fight this fire, and got caught in the fire, and got some pretty bad uh, smoke inhalation, and uh, was about a half hour late for my talk. And when I came in, I just reeked of uh, <laughs> of grass fire, and was my eyes were all red, and I was kind of choking and coughing, and and I was in no mood. And and at this point, I'd pretty much figured out Greer's uh, David Koresh tendencies, and and so. Kind of a little bit undiplomatically and a little bit out of character, I would I would add, um, I got up there and uh, gave my little presentation. And then, you know, Greer tried to appropriate it as he has a habit of doing. And, and I said, you know, the, the last thing I want to mention to everybody, and this is really important, and that is, Stephen, your message is way more important than you are. Oh, but well, but I said, no, Stephen, Stephen, you, you didn't hear me. And, and I said it three times in front of all these people. <laughs> and we're going to have to say this a couple of
1: times, too. Yes, here we are catching up. We're talking shop. One of those special episodes. And, of course, if you want to get in touch with us, check us out on Twitter, where we are known as The Paracast. Look for The Powercast on Facebook or go to com. We gotta do our break with Gogs and Jean and Chris. You're in the podcast.
7: The GCN Radio Network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN Great Talk Radio starts here.
0: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now
1: here's jane steinberg with gene and chris and gogs mckay we're talking about the state of ufo research and some of the sideshow carnival barkers like the twins who shall not be named our official new name for them and the certain dr greer and you were trying to emphasize something when you did this presentation
2: before him that it's the information not the guy i i really did i made a point of saying that and and his second-in-command uh, was, at that point, it turned into one of my best friends, Sherry Adamak, who we uh, tragically lost to galloping melanoma in, in 1998. But one thing I want to point out about, uh, about the good doctor, or <laughs> I use that term loosely, you know, every year, I think now for 17, 18, 19 years, he's been doing his Ambassadors to the Universe training in Crestone. And in fact, I think that was the first place uh, that he started giving these trainings, and he's been back every year. Well the first five or six years that he did these trainings in the San Luis Valley and Crestone, I find it very ironic and and almost comic that they do these trainings and be flashing their lights and playing the cuckoo, cuckoo, crop circle uh, sounds and flashing their lights and doing all this coherent thought sequencing, laying their hands on the doctor and and the whole deal. And all through the 90s, it was really weird. We would have sightings that would happen the same night. There would be a number of reports. And this one, this happened actually in several consecutive years, yet there were no reports uh, worth note. (laughs) (laughs) Where <laughs> C said he was doing their their trainings and calling in the the aliens and and at one point after about the third or fourth year of this I I, I I asked him I said Stephen are you sure you're giving out correct instructions on how to get to you It's like you're giving out bad directions or something because they're they're showing up everywhere but where you want them to show up I find it uh, kind of ironic that uh, you would have uh, you know sightings being reported around the valley everywhere but where he was and uh, he was like, charging people to be there. Maybe that's it. Maybe aliens are allergic.
1: (laughs) You see, the aliens
3: do not have a monetary system. So, yeah, my problem with Greer is this charging money to point lasers to the sky. It's so against the kind of, yeah, disclose the truth to all kind of ethos that he tries to show to people. You know, he thinks that there should be a democratization of the information about the aliens, UFOs, whatever. And. You know, he he just seems to be out to profit for it and he charges a lot as well for what is basically standing out in the open in, you know, it's not even his land as far as I know, and pointing lasers in the sky. And, you know, is it isn't it illegal to point lasers at flying objects anyway?
2: That's a, a good point. But but what I my biggest problem is number one, who elected him mankind's or humankind's ambassador to the universe? He and where does he get off training other people to be Ambassadors to the universe. Uh, you know, you're talking about democratization here. Uh, who elected him? You know, that that's he the problem not. I have: the hubris and the and the, you know, just this messianic type quality that he obviously has. That that that's what bothers me the most. Yeah. I mean, if there's suckers out there, they're going to pay money to have him. Train them to be ambassadors to the universe. Then you got to take your hat off to the guy. I mean, he lives pretty well. He's got a huge house. You know, he's he's pretty well off. So you know, if people need that in their lives, you know, who are we to question uh, the validity of of their decision making? But the hubris and the and the the messianic quality that he has to assume that he can train ambassadors uh, to the universe and that he is the ambassador of humankind, representing us. Uh, lowly humans here on planet planet Earth. It, that to me is just it's it's inexcusable. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, somebody pointed out in the forums um, the, the serious documentary. How was it funded? Because it wasn't out of his pocket. He did one of
2: those internet funding organizations where. You know, you you put up a site and 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 it's it's a donation. I, I forget what they call them. There's there's a bunch of them out there now that um, that you can set up to to fund projects. Uh, it's pretty ingenious the way they do it. But yeah, he uh, raised uh, quite a bit of money. And I mean, Greer Greer's been thumping you know his particular cult of personality uh, routine for quite some time. He's got quite a name for himself uh, in some circles, especially the new age kind of crossover new age UFO community. Yeah. Uh, he's very well considered. He is a very magnetic uh, guy. He does have uh, a very kind of pound in the pulpit, sort of rousing the troops style uh, when he when he uh, presents. You know, he's got a command of the English language. And, you know, he always, uh, when, you, when you try to get him into, you know, a tight corner and try to pin him down, he'll invariably make the comment something to akin of, well, I've been on the ships and I know. That's the kind of attitude he has. Uh, yeah a lot of people don't realize that Greer uh, considers himself to be an experiencer when he was 18 he was brought aboard the ships and you know there's a whole kind of story there that the average person that knows about Greer uh, doesn't have an inkling about but but he's he's on some divine mission some some you know uh, inspired messianic path that mm. one, one just has uh, to
3: I- I'd go as far as to say that I couldn't say which, but it wouldn't surprise me to find out that he actually has some kind of mental illness because, you know, this this um, Messiah complex thing, I think he he really does think that he's almost been chosen to to lead the people into the new age of finding out what the truth about all this is and you know I think he's just he's a cheeky so and so in that he he gets you know some YouTube method of funding his documentary so it's not out of his own pocket but then he charges for it as well he charges however many thousand dollars to be usually in the world when you take money from people to give them instruction and stuff usually you need bags of experience or some kind of qualification that says you can train people in whatever you know grade eight piano teaching or whatever but you know who appointed him the this you know ambassador trainee what how did he get to that position in his own mind I mean how does he feel did he think that he was programmed to do this from his experience from age 18 I don't know but I I think there's stuff going on in his head that is utterly fantastical it's a fantasy but he he either believes it or he is kind of acting it very well. And if he's acting it very well, it just makes him even more of a money grabber and a fraud. You know,
1: here's the key here. He's a public figure, so we can call him that, and he's not going to sue us, I hope. (laughs) But seriously speaking here, the issue here is you do not need a license to be a UFO investigator. You do not need a license to have people pay money to go out on UFO
2: exploratory expeditions. Yeah, but you need a license to do it at a park in North Carolina where he got busted and uh, yeah. fined because he didn't have a license to to do a commercial operation on, uh, on I think it was a state uh, state park in North Carolina. If, 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 I, you might want to check those facts, but I do recall a couple of years ago he... He was busted because somebody didn't file the proper paperwork, and if they had, they wouldn't have allowed him to do what he was doing. You know, there there are some weak links in the chain there, but the weakest link is Greer's absolute, positive, you know, just thump the table assertion that ETs are absolutely benevolent. There is no record of anybody ever being harmed by UFOs or by any sort of extraterrestrials. And anybody that's done even the slightest bit of of, of digging into this whole phenomenon can talk about uh, the cases around cholara around the mouth of the Amazon in the late seventies, early eighties, where people were actually killed. Uh, all you have to do is read uh, Jacques Vallee's book, Confrontations. Uh, there's there's uh, case after case after case where people uh, were harmed and were injured, and in some cases, uh, rare cases, but even potentially killed by what greer would call alien technology and his assertion that all abductions are done by the military um these are these are blanket statements that he makes he says there is no evidence whatsoever that et's are, are anything but benevolent space brothers here to solve all our problems and save us
1: yes the yeah. et is here to help us rather than to harm us that was a phrase i think I heard a long time ago in one of the more sarcastic comments from the late Gray Barker, and that goes back probably to the 1950s or 1960s. The UFO visitors are here to help us rather than to harm us. And believing that may make us more vulnerable if they were here to harm us. Who knows? We have Gogs McKay joining us this week with Gene and Chris in the The Paracast.
12: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Fortune phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions.
8: Sergeant Dave Scott, Army Search and Rescue veteran, wants you to hear this urgent message. All emergencies have casualties, but in America, most casualties from storms like Katrina and Sandy only happen because good people were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Don't let that happen to you. Visit yourbugoutplan.com on the web watch a free video presentation of the skills you need to be long gone before any disaster can touch you you owe it to yourself and to your family to watch this head to yourbugoutplan.com on the web right now yourbugoutplan.com bills in front of congress right now could take away your right to keep and bear arms if obama has his way all guns will be either banned restricted or confiscated possibly by executive order The best way to keep your guns is to hide them. What Obama can't find, Obama can't take away. You can protect your guns from any threat. Download our special report, How to Hide Your Guns, at GoHideYourGuns.com. Learn how to hide your guns while keeping them readily available. Get the report now before they make us take it down. On the web at GoHideYourGuns.com.
18: absorption of food nutrients aids in controlling yeast infections is never freeze dried and uses three groups of live viable beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins order Pro EM one daily probiotic cleanse at terraganics.com spelled t e r a g a n i x.com terraganics.com or call toll free 866-369-3678 that's 866-369-3678 proem1 the raw probiotic
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Our final segments on the Paracast with Gene and Chris and Gogs McKay, we're talking about this serious UFO documentary, which may not be serious, from Stephen Greer. Now, Chris, I want to ask you, parenthetically, to disclosure and everything, you're going to be in the Washington, D.C. area at this National Press Club event, which will be heard this coming week and form, by the way, the basis of next week's episode of the PowerCast. Tell us more.
2: I've been loosely associated with Ronald James uh, Films for a number of years, going on six, six and six and a half, seven years. Ron used to have a studio here in the Sedona area. I was one of his editors, camera people. I really kind of helped him get a foot into the whole realm of the paranormal and ufology and, and doing documentary work and helping him network within this uh, particular <laughs> incestuous and small community. He moved out to L.A., and uh, one of the people that... Uh, I introduced him to, and he struck up a bit of a relationship with with Stephen Bassett. Stephen has gotten $1.2 million from some unknown source, supposedly a private individual who uh, he has some sort of uh, business relationship. I don't know how Stephen Bassett was able to drum up that kind of cash, but... About half of that is being spent on a series of mock hearings or a mock hearing with a series of witnesses coming forward in the National Press Club. And he's, he's paid, I think, five or six ex-Congress men and women $20,000 apiece to play the parts of themselves. And kind of act out what it would be like to actually have congressional hearings on the UFO disclosure subject. I've been uh, asked by Ron James, who has been hired to document the event, and I think work on a documentary uh, based on these hearings, to actually, on the go, live, one-shot, four-camera shoot. I'm not sure what my job's going to be. I have a feeling I'm going to be operating one of the more difficult camera positions. Uh, I don't think I'm doing audio. I may be doing uh, the switcher uh, because it's going to be a live switched event. I do urge everybody who's interested in the subject. I think it's a good idea. It'd be interesting to see how uh, these ex-Congress people handle some of the witnesses that are going to be presented. I, I think as an exercise of head-scratching sort of uh, mock drama. I think it's going to be interesting whether it a- actually has any sort of impact on people that are currently sitting in Congress is highly doubtful in my mind. Whether the whole disclosure of an alien presence here is ever going to happen from the U.S. government is, is highly doubtful in my mind and I think is a pipe dream. But it's going to be an interesting four-day exercise to see how this thing unfolds. I'm going to be right there uh, helping film it And then hopefully working in the post-production process. What I'm going to try to do, Gene, is when I'm there, I'm going to land uh, somebody, possibly one of these Congress people or maybe a a series of of, uh, potential guests and do a show talking about these hearings and addressing the whole subject of Congress and the subject of UFO disclosure. That's kind of what's uh, in the works for me. It's going to be interesting. I've been asked to wear casual business clothes, of which I own none. Well, I've got a lot of Hawaiian shirts, too, so maybe I'll I'll, I'll come as Blake Cousins. I mean, one of the uh, twins that shall not be mentioned uh, or named.
3: Is it known if any of these ex-Congressmen stroke women or whatever, were, were any of them interested in the UFO topic beforehand, or have they been kind of... Picked fresh just because they're available and they're they're like test subjects to see if they can be convinced or, you know. Well, you know, that's a really good question,
2: uh, Gordon. I'm not sure about that. I think possibly one or two have a passing interest in the subject. But I think the $20,000, I think, is probably the main inducement. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> Getting five, six grand a day just to sit there and, and pretend like you're, you're a congressman talking about UFOs uh, on camera. I mean, these people needed need to be uh, bought and quite a sizable chunk of change is being spent on just making it appear legit. And you see a lot of people made. who leave Congress...
1: They join lobbyist organizations. It gives them credibility. But those are the
2: high-profile
1: people in Congress. Are these high-profile people or just somebody who got elected for
2: one or two terms and they're gone? Well, a couple of them actually, uh, I think, are you know long time uh, sitting members. I think there's one or two that are that were only there for two or four years. But you know, I've I just briefly kind of looked at, at resumes and and what have you. And there there are a couple that that were returning term after term. We're not talking about big you know household names or anything. We're not talking you know Tom Delay or you know you could you could name any any number, <laughs> Larry Craig. You know,
3: that Podesta guy would have been good.
1: Well, the problem would also be here that if they are high-profile political figures, they would not want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. So you have to get people Mm -hmm. who maybe are in the second string of ex-members of Congress
2: this 20 me, i'm going to have a lot of information before this thing is through i'm going to find out who these people are how they were induced to do this what their yeah. motivations are in terms of the subject rather than the uh the remuneration but but i think it is uh, it is an interesting idea i think it's a lot of just grandstanding and um Play acting to spend all this money and retain this particular very esteemed location to do this in. To me, I, d- I don't see any usefulness. Uh, looking at it uh, as as something that's geared toward an end result. I, I I don't think it it has a snowball's chance in hell of, of convincing Congress how easy and how important it is to do this uh, for real. As everyone that out there that listens to the Paracast knows, I'm I'm really very dubious about the whole concept of disclosing something that that i have a hunch the government is more confused about than we are the government is never going to admit that they aren't in control that they don't know it's just anthem to what they're about they're about being all-knowing they're about being in totally in control just look at the uh marshall esque lockdown around Watertown uh, last week or a week and a half ago. So, you know, this is going to be a very interesting exercise, just, you know, <laughs> as Gogs mentioned, a rubbernecking at a car crash. But it's going to be interesting. And, and you know, I've been hired to, to do this. And I'm going there as a video professional, but I'm also going as a, you know, an interested, uh, aspiring insider to really get the lowdown scoop on, on who the players are in this thing, what the end purpose is, and all the machinations that are obviously going to have to take place to pull this thing off. So uh, we're going to try to do a show from there with some guests uh, involved in the process for our next Paracast episode. And uh, it starts tomorrow. They are streaming this live. So if you're interested in this, uh, go to the Citizens Hearing on Disclosure website Check it out. I do think it's going to be very interesting uh, how this thing actually unfolds. Uh, I'm looking actually looking forward to this for a variety of reasons. And I do urge anybody out there that's interested in this subject and in this process to tune in and go to the Internet uh, site and stream this live. It'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. Should be interesting, definitely. This is going to be a daytime
1: thing or is it going to be like... From the daytime to the nighttime. You know, I haven't been get
2: it, given a shooting schedule or any sort of any sort of itinerary or list or schedule. So I, I really don't know. I don't see it going for more than a few hours a day. I could be wrong. Again, I haven't. I'm not privy to those details yet. I don't know how they're actually going to stage this, when it starts, how long it's going to go for. I should probably. <laughs> Send out a few emails uh, and find out. (laughs) I'll tell you why. I have the
1: schedule here, citizenshearing.org. And Monday, you don't want to hear this. Monday, 7 p.m., Stephen Greer. And then the serious documentary will be on display. Tuesday, and this is going to be a couple of days after you hear the show, ladies and gentlemen. Stanton Friedman, Grant Cameron, Richard Dolan. Wednesday, Donald Schmidt, Linda Moulton Howe, Peter Davenport. Thursday, Kevin Randall, who has a new book out, by the way. We'll get Kevin back on the Paracast soon. Nick Pope, Gary Heseltine. So that's the guest list for the evening presentations. With Gene and Gogs and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's
7: number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade.
1: We are the GCN Radio Network.
4: Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
10: Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and I'm here to give you a personal invitation to my presentation, April 29th, Bethel College, Odom Lecture Hall, Room 101, Bethel Court, McKenzie, Tennessee. And I'm going to show you things that's going to save your life. I'm going to show you things that will help you avoid going to doctors for 60 years. Won't that make the medical system humble? 7 p.m., Monday night, April 29th, Bethel College, Odom Lecture Hall, Room 101, Bethel Court, McKenzie, Tennessee. It's free. Tell them Dr. Wallach sent you.
9: We Do you
19: suffer from low-functioning adrenal or thyroid gland? Did you know that mercury from your dental fillings comes off your teeth both as a vapor and as metal particles into your body? Wherever mercury deposits in your body, it stops cells from functioning normally. Animal studies show that mercury causes kidney function to drop by 60%. Mercury deposited into your adrenals or thyroid will cause a corresponding drop in function. The number one method by which your body detoxifies itself of mercury is glutathione. The number one superfood that helps turn on all 75 trillion cells of your body to produce glutathione is non-denatured whey protein from grass-fed cows. After investigating most high-end whey proteins on the market, only one is the most non-denatured, the most active, the most complete, and in our opinion, the most powerful in what nature originally put into the fresh, raw whey. It is One World Whey. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWhey.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com.
18: My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast.
1: On the Paracast with Gene and Chris, assisted by Gog's McKay, we've been focusing on the state of UFO research. After covering the Stephen Greer UFO documentary that will be presented at the National Press Club event on the Citizens' Hearing, we discuss the twins. Who shall not be named. And we're talking about UFO photography. Now, there's a question, by the way, from one of our skeptical listeners in the forums. And maybe, Chris, let's bring this up, okay? This is an interesting question, which is always asked, and I'll read it. It's from Angelo. So many cameras, so few videos. Why did we get so many great shots from so many angles of the Russian meteor? Which was only seen, obviously, for a few seconds before it crashed. They all have
2: dashboard cams, why don't those cameras ever capture UFOs? But they do, Angelo. You just don't go out and look for them. You don't go out and find them. Most people don't promote themselves. They don't call up Blake, uh, send their f- tapes and film or whatever, uh, still pictures into a third phase of Moon or to Coast to Coast or any number of Internet uh presences out there you would be amazed at how many people actually are able to capture footage that none of us uh, ever hear about and if some of us do occasionally it does make it into re- local media regional media and and even national and international media i you know for you to to blanket state that just because uh, we've got all these camera footage uh these you know hood hood cams or dash cams of of this meteor that meteor was a huge astronomical event, and uh, UFOs tend to be a little bit more difficult to pin down. They tend to be more fleeting. They don't tend to, to have a huge uh, footprint in the sky normally. So that, to me, is a non-question. I, I, don't, I don't see it as being valid. There are tons and tons of footage being being taken all around the world. It's just I'm sure most of it we're just never going to hear about because – because of the obvious giggle factors uh, people don 't think it's important uh, people just want to show it to their friends you don 't know you don 't know that that 's the case so uh, that's that 's my answer
3: hey chris yeah I, you you've uh, touched on something which i think is a, a brilliant point. If you take one hundred people who maybe accidentally you know reported a UFO sighting and you take one hundred people who have gone to the bother of making a hoax. of the hoaxers are going to publicise it, put it out there, but there's nothing to say that anywhere near that number of the genuine ones are even going to be passed on to anyone else for all the reasons outlined. So you've got a very big discrepancy between the motivation of, yeah, that's why there's so many folks, because if you're going to go to the bother of making a hoax, you want it to be seen. But not everyone wants their UFO sighting, you know, out there so people can call them, you know, this and, and that. So that is a big reason why it may be the case.
2: Well, that and he's comparing it to the largest object to hit the planet in a in hundred years. You know, the fact that uh, we have four Russian dash cam uh, camera angles on this thing and a number of kind of reflections in windows from security cameras. There were 18 videos of the object uh, hovering over Mexico City back in 92. There is good quality footage out there. I just seriously doubt that people like Angelo, uh, Lance Moody, who I was really sad to hear wasn't able to make it uh, on the show today. I don't think these guys, maybe Lance does a little bit more than Angelo does, but these guys don't waste their time going out looking looking through all the dross to find the gems. I, I seriously doubt it. And the fact that they don't. I don't think it's it's fair for them to say, well, we never see any good footage. It's because they, he's not going out and looking for it. Do you want to go get some good footage? I'll bet you there's at least 30 or 40 good quality pieces of, of evidence in, in and amongst uh, the 600, almost 700 videos that have been posted at, at uh, the site of the two brothers whose names uh, shall not be mentioned. <laughs> Those who shall not be named. So that's my answer. And, and Gog's, yeah, good point.
3: Yeah, there are plenty good videos out there. And there's some of the more historical ones. Like that one um, that was, I, I believe, in Monument Valley of this kind of white object that seems to do a quick burst of speed and jumps and jumps. It's being filmed out of the side of a moving car. It's a very well-known piece of footage. But that's just one example. But the, the, there are good videos out there. And I... Obviously can't claim to know for a fact if all of them are if all of them are genuine or not, but I make a I am interested enough in UFOs to sit and watch, you know, an hour, an hour and a half long documentary that includes videos, to go to anonymousfo.com and check out their weekly sightings. And I've even had a look at Blake's site, Third Phase of Moon stuff. And I'm fully aware that there's, you know, lots of crap there and lots of questionable things, or just misidentified, or, or whatever. But there is good stuff out there. But you, you do have to spend time, and you know, your hit rate. It's a bit like drilling for oil. You know, one in ten is a one in ten uh, holes drilled. That would be a good hit rate for oil companies, for drilling companies. And it's not going to be even that good for UFOs. But that doesn't mean to say that if you, you know, if you look, you're not going to find anything, but you've got to spend the time to go through them. It's just a fact.
1: This raises, of course, the very big issue here about UFOs and UFO photos. And it's unfortunate in this Facebook, Twitter, YouTube generation that so many people want to post their latest and greatest fakes. It makes it so difficult
2: to get yeah. the real thing. Or more, more sophisticated Right, so you know that's that's also a problem as as the the cost of the technology comes down and becomes more affordable, more people are going to be going out buying it and playing around with it, seeing if they can pull the wool over their friend's eyes, and if they can, then then they may uh, you know look for bigger fish to to try to fool. So it's going to be a problem. It's going to exponentially increase, and we need to uh, I, I think discussing some sort of alternative site that uh, weeds out the fakes, that uh, actually uh, places some sort of of fairly uh, astute analysis in- into the process and possibly rates some of these footage or-, or gives them some sort of rotten tomato-like meter or something, anything that differentiates uh, the good ones from the questionable ones from the ex- just obvious uh, bad ones. You know, I don't claim to be any sort of visual analyst, but I do know enough to know to look for certain, uh, you know, qualities in in these in these videos. That number one uh, suggests that they've been manufactured, or and number two suggests that they they could be the real thing. Things like uh, footage of objects giving off tremendous amounts of, of energy in heavily moisture laden skies. You're going to have some ionization effects and in possibly plasma type effects going on uh, in in this footage, and oftentimes. Uh, these Billy Meyer style clips uh, just you don't you don 't have any of the propulsion diagnostic type things that you would expect to see in these uh, films and one of the things that 's easy to uh, kind of state here is that people have kind of a false and, and sort of a sci-fi pop culture view of what ufos really are and it's pretty obvious when you see some of these uh hoaxes that these people are kind of going off what they've seen uh you know in star trek or star wars and, and and they don't have a real good sense of what actually a true foe looks like and oftentimes they don't appear the way that most people kind of imagine they would appear so you know it's Ray Stanford is a perfect example of somebody who who can point this out, and I've learned a lot from Ray on how to analyze uh, images and uh, i do I do think that Ray is one of our unsung uh, you know hero experts out there in this particular analytical realm, and it's really sad to see so many people having access to technology trying to misuse it just to pull the wool over everybody else's eyes and that's that's a sad fact,
1: and operating in the vain hope. That they will either become famous or just become part of the entertainment. You see to so many people here, UFOs are entertaining and they might well be, but we're talking about a real phenomenon that we do not understand. And yes, I could see the entertainment value, but we still have a mystery to be solved. We're trying to solve this mystery with Gogs Mackay, Chris O'Brien, Gene Steinberg, you're in the Paracast.
5: Curious about what comes next? Next is the feeling of vulnerability you get after you arrive home to discover your house has been ransacked by burglars. Fool the bad guys with a new improved fake TV. You asked for it, we listened, and we made our new fake TV three times brighter than our previous model. The brightness of our new fake TV is equivalent to a 40-inch TV. It simulates the color and motion of a real TV while you're away from home. And when burglars think someone is home watching television, they're likely to pass your house and move on to an easier target. The new, brighter Fake TV is only $39.95 and includes free shipping. Go to FakeTV.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to FakeTV.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Ceramic body armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel body armor is proven to take hit after hit. And it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel Body Armor
4: I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there.
14: Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: With Gene and Chris and Gogs McKay in the Paracast, we've been spending our time talking about the state of UFO research, focusing first about the twins who shall not be named, about Dr. Stephen Greer, former emergency room physician, whose serious documentary has been getting some attention. We were talking about that event that will be in place when you hear the show about a citizen's set of UFO hearings, because Congress is too busy repealing the health care law every week. I think they've tried to do that 40 times now. The U.S. Congress, every week, they try to repeal the Obamacare health care law instead of concentrating on real events. Of course, in the days we had real hearings about UFOs back in the 1960s, we got the Condon Commission. So that raises the bigger question. If we get real congressional hearings, not just faux hearings, not a special public event, but the real thing in Congress, are we going to just return back to the 60s, get some kind of commission, investigatory agency or organization, and then it disappears or whitewashes the subject?
3: I'm amazed it isn't a bigger deal that, you know, it's been... We know that, for instance, the Condon Report was doomed to fail, and there are documents out there like the Twining Memo. So what some people who just think that the whole UFO topic is just ridiculous. Well, if it's so ridiculous, why are there so many governments around the world have spent money um, using military officers and men you know, using their precious time over uh, over decades um, researching this topic, you know, whether we get to know about all of that or not but, you know, and there, there are few governments, if any, that will actually say there's no such thing, you know, they always trot out the line about of no defence significance but I, I'm amazed that it isn't uh, more widely known that there are documents out there that prove that at least at certain points in history at very high levels people were admitting there was these things in the sky apparently intelligently controlled and not made by any known humans there are these so there is, uh, I'm not talking about a smoking gun as proving the whole thing about ufos but proving that it's not silly in as much that governments and militaries have taken an interest and also sort of getting back to the condon report about how you can even see and and the cia i forget the name of the report where they're talking about yeah we need to kind of debunk this and make it seem silly yeah
2: and, that was a robertson panel
3: yes yeah the robertson panel so there are there are Documents out there that prove that there has been a genuine interest uh, at government level and also there are documents proving that they have been trying to make it seem ridiculous. And to me, uh, you know, I'm surprised that's never been front page news because I'm sure there are a lot of average people on the street who don't have an active interest in UFOs. I'm sure a lot of these people would be quite surprised to know that these documents and... These statements exist that they were made because they think they think about UFOs is just the way they see it on the nine o'clock news, where you know they play the X Files theme and they have the little joke at the end and stuff. I just wonder, I just wonder, well, is it worth the effort? I've tried to not convert friends or family or whatever, but I've tried to point out a few things to them about why I'm interested because they're absolutely not. And you tell them these little factoids and they're like, oh, really? And then it just goes out in their mind. And I can't get into the mind of someone who can just put that out of their mind or maybe that's a deliberate defence mechanism because the implications are just so enormous maybe a lot of people just can't handle because they don't want the train of thought thinking well if that's true then this might be true and this might be true and oh it yeah, just ignorance destroys bliss. everything uh- yes yes
2: Exactly. Out of sight, out of mind. I mean, I was never interested in scorpions until I moved uh, into a house that uh, was overrun by these little nasty uh, suckers that that stung me four times. And and I'm real interested in scorpions now. And I've done some research into them, and I've figured out ways to try to try to you know keep them out of the house. And you really don't get interested in something until it bites you on the ass, or 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 you see a sighting. You have some sort of unusual experience that you can't explain. I did when I was seven years old. I, 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 I kissed that tar baby at an early age. Um, I've, I've been cursed or blessed uh, with that particular um, experience and others uh, in the intervening years. And and I think a lot of it is experiential. Unless you actually have an experience or someone close to you that you trust and, and, and believe uh, wholeheartedly has an experience, it's not going to impact uh, your lack of a full reality view in this regard. So I think a lot of it uh, does boil down to actually personally having experiences or knowing someone close to you that's had one. Um, I was approached after a talk in California by a uh, shuttle uh, pilot uh, who said that uh, it, I was surprised, number one, that he was there to listen to my talk and I was very um, you know flattered that he he enjoyed what I had to say and he took the time to talk to me afterwards, but... But he said he would never have had any interest in this subject, except for his wife had an incredible experience in Colorado while driving. This huge craft flew right over her car, and she she had it in sight for for a substantial you know minute or two, and she got a really good look at it. And he trusts his wife's observational acuity and 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 believes her. Uh, that she had this experience, and and that got him thinking that maybe there's something to this. And ever since, you know, this happened in the mid '70s, ever since he's had he's had kind of a closet fascination with the subject. Hence, him turning up at my talk in uh, Cosa Mesa a couple of years ago. So, I think a lot of it, Goggs, is experiential. If people don't experience it, if you don't get stung by a scorpion, you don't give them any minds. If you don't get bit by a rattlesnake or eaten by a lion or mauled by one, you're not going to have any interest in these things, except maybe peripherally you might consider as entertainment or whatever. So so that, that may explain part of it, but um, I think a lot of people – really have their head in the sands when it comes to things that, that, that rock and change, uh, potentially change their reality view. It calls into question their their spiritual life, their belief systems, the things that are tangible that they can rely on and hold on to. If these things are rocked and called into question or, or maybe don't fully explain experiences that they have, then they tend to wake up and, and start paying attention. So That's my little rant and I'm done. So Chris, This coming week, you're going to be
1: recording or one of those responsible for the recording of the video images of the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure. This is going to be Monday, April 29th through Thursday, May 3rd in Washington, D.C. And if you're interested in learning more about what it's about, you can go ahead and check citizenshearing.org. Once again, that's citizenshearing.org. It'll feature a lot of the famous... Guiding Lights, you know, in the UFO field, CitizensHearing dot org, and we hope Chris to have a few guests on the show who will reflect the content and maybe give us
2: some fascinating new insights. Right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, reconnecting with some old friends. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting exercise. I think. Again, I'm not sure exactly what Stephen Bassett hopes to accomplish with this. Uh, maybe inspire Congress to do the real thing. That to me is a pipe dream. This is about a third rail of subject as as uh, there has ever been. You know, we'll see. I, I'm sure I'll be able to collect uh, a couple of uh, interested uh, guests for a Paracast episode about this subject. And I look forward to it. It's going to be fun. And, and I get a chance to visit my, my my old friend Ray Stanford, who's just a few minutes outside of the Beltway. Uh, I'm going to be able to spend a whole day with Ray prior to the uh, to the load-in for the event uh, at the press club there. I'm going to try to twist his arm to uh, kind of pony up some uh, cool stuff for everybody and and uh, put the bluebirds uh, back in their on their heels a little bit and back in their seats.
1: That sounds like fun, Gogs. Thank you so much for sitting in with us. Hey, no worries, anytime. Very good. Want to tell everybody that you can find more of what Chris O'Brien does at ourstrangeplanet.com. That's ourstrangeplanet.com. Still undergoing renovation, and you'll soon be able to order his books online. That should be taken care of in a very short period of time. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as, what else? The Paracast. We are The Paracast on Twitter. There are two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook, and one day we'll figure out how to integrate them, or go to our web portal, Paracast.com. That is theparacast.com. And also, you can check out our other radio show about personal technology called the Tech Night Owl Live. So, Chris, Goggs, thank you both for making this a fun session.
2: Hey, thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, it was you. good. Good having you on uh, again, Goggs. Uh, onwards and upwards.
0: The Paracast.